So that's a waste of your attention. Yeah. Yes. Redirect, everyone. Look at a bird. Look at a bird. <laughs> Flip the bird. One or the other. <laughs> Flip the bird, then look at a bird. <laughs> oh my god. We just solved all the world's problems, I think. <laughs> Welcome to Reader's Digress, the show where we read nonfiction books so you don't have to. My name is Kate Kiriaku. <laughs> and I'm Matt Hendricks. <laughs> and I'm Molly Fox. <laughs> <laughs> we are so annoyed. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I hate myself. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> okay, now that we've all had a stroke three times... welcome to our podcast that we're making things up as we go today we're gonna go over our pop culture pairing from last episode it's a first little bonus episode and we're gonna talk about bo burnham's special inside so kate you have a little summary of the special right i do it is very short But I'm really excited to talk about this because all three of us have now admitted that we all separately have had crushes on Bo Burnham. (laughs) And continue to do so. And continue to, um, for obvious reasons, I think. We don't need to explain that part of it. Also, one of my other best friends texted me yesterday out of the blue and asked if I'd watched the special and said that she had a crush on him too. And I was like, okay, there is something about him. (laughs) Because we, as a collective consciousness, have a crush on Bo Burnham. My therapist never self-discloses. He never says anything about himself. But I referenced the special, and I was like, Bo Burnham, he's a comedian, if you know. And then the therapist was like, did you like the sock puppet song? Oh, my God. Yes. I love it. God, So even he broke his policy to gush. As a collective society. I have a crush on Bo Burnham. Yes, this is now a Bo Burnham stan podcast, so. <laughs> Giving up on reading. Anyway, uh, I will give a very short uh, summary of what the special is before we start for anyone who hasn't seen it. Although if you haven't, what we would really recommend is that you go watch it right this second and then come mm-hmm. back to us, pause mm-hmm. it, we will still be here. Uh, So Bo Burnham became famous at the ripe age of 14, I think, from doing musical comedy YouTube videos. And his most recent special is called Inside, and it lays out his complicated relationship to the internet. Uh, He's a millennial who both owes his fame to the internet and whose life and perspective has also been distorted by the internet. Uh, It's essentially a one-man show that he did in an apartment he rented over the course of the quarantine year. And he just really thoughtfully explores what it is like to be a creative during that time, uh, to be a white male comedian in our changing social moment, and what it's like to be a millennial coming of full age into adulthood. Uh, And that's pretty much all I have. But I have some questions for you both to start us off. I would love to know what your favorite song in the special is. I guess I should preface by saying that it is primarily songs. But they are there are short interludes of tiny sketches. Sometimes he's talking directly to you as the audience. Sometimes they are 
uh, related to the songs that come before or after them, but the primary content of the special um, are comedic songs. Matt, would you like to go first? Because it's really difficult for me to answer this question. <laughs> it yeah, is a hard I question. I I don't yeah I don't have a good answer. Um, so I watched it through once a few days ago, and I haven't had a chance to watch it again, unfortunately. But I have um, listened to several of the songs many a time. Um, I'm looking at a track list now, and I think problematic. I do really like. Um, that's up there. Bezos was a funny one. Um, very unexpected. White woman's Instagram is very catchy. I would say, uh, right now problematic. Um, but it's gonna change. And honestly, like. I really liked the in-between moments, I think. Mm, me too. Okay. Me too. I'm much more driven by the songs. I They have them on Spotify, and I've been listening to them nonstop, like constantly. <laughs> um, that's how I get obsessive. Like, I could play the same song one million times and be like, let's go again. Um, <laughs> but I've been listening to the FaceTime with my mom was the funniest mm-hmm. to me and, like, the catchiest. But in terms of, like resonates with me most the that funny feeling where he's talking about basically the the sense of impending doom that like all millennials kind of grew up with and just like Mm -hmm. this like juxtaposition between like bizarro commercial culture and the world ending that we're just constantly living in that is like what the hell is happening and then the the most like incredible line to me is in um all eyes on me where he says the <laughs> you you say the water's rising like i give a shit you say the whole world's ending honey it already did oh my god i could literally listen to that 10 second clip <laughs> four hours like i was listening to it in the shower the other day just full on like coming apart (laughs) like i'm in the shower so no one could see how much i'm sobbing get out of here i was doing like the full-on like i'm a main character like leaning against the wall like (laughs) ben affleck and gone girl literally that yes just incredible yeah okay kate you tell us oh uh so I have two favorite songs. It's White Woman's Instagram, which we just mentioned. And then the second one is Welcome to the Internet. And the thing for me that I find so incredibly brilliant about this is that he's able to combine his nihilism and cynicism with a lot of true empathy. And I think so many of his songs are really asking, as a millennial in this world that always seems to be falling apart on us, How do we do something that matters and how do we make a difference? And the white woman's Instagram one for anyone who has not heard that song is uh, mostly just making fun of white women's Instagrams. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. 
And um, a lot <laughs> of the lines, the, the refrain that he keeps coming back to is, uh, is this heaven or is this a white woman's Instagram? So he says, you know, falling leaves, pumpkins, lit candles, all of these like wonderful things, a golden retriever, um, a quote wrongly attributed to Martin Luther King from Lord of the Rings, which <laughs> made me laugh so hard so I had to funny. pause the special. <laughs> but yeah. um, he does this really brilliant thing where the special is performed, written, and directed by him. And in the middle of the white woman's Instagram song, the framing is all a square, right? Like an Instagram uh, picture would be. But then there's a moment in the middle of the song where he, you know, the lyrics are something like, um, then it's a picture of her mom. Uh, And it goes into this caption that says, I can't believe how long you've been gone. Um, I think about you every day. I think you'd be so proud of me. Obviously insinuating that her mom has passed away. And during that time, the the screen slowly transitions from a square out to a full widescreen. And then back to a square when he goes back to the funny refrain. And there's something about that that I find so incredibly brilliant. Because I think it's a commentary on how easy it is for all of us to just think of other people in these tiny flattened squares Mm -hmm. and not like that social media does that to us and it makes us two dimensional when in fact there's a there's a real person behind every person on the Internet and every account on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And it would be really easy for him to just make fun of white women's Instagrams. Everybody has done it because, frankly, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But he does it so much more than that in making it an empathetic thing that this is a real person and that, like, she has a real life. And I just loved it so much. I thought it was so clever. White woman's Instagram Her favorite photo of her mom The caption says I can't believe it been a decade since you've been gone mama miss you i miss sitting with you in the front yard still figuring out how to keep living without you it's got a little better but it's still hard mama i got a job i love in my own apartment mama i got a boyfriend and i'm crazy about him your little girl didn't do too bad mama i love you give a hug and kiss too thought like i heard commentary that that specific portion of the special was misogynistic because he's making fun of specifically women's instagrams but i think the way you're talking about it i think he's pointing out the fact that women everyone but in this context he's talking about women look at other women's instagrams to see who they are supposed to be and this process of like emulating and imitating and then collapsing ourselves into this streamlined identity that like the fact that the song is funny points out the fact that every woman is like copying each other in these same ways of like pumpkins and lattes and dogs and trying to be this like picture perfect thing and i think it's much more a commentary on the fact that we 
the internet in part has made us uh yeah just like flatten ourselves out into these like very base identities when in reality there's a lot more to us as he's like demonstrating in that like caption clip mm-hmm. and well and it reminds me of an earlier conversation that we had had on a podcast that had he not had that interlude in there where he's clearly being empathetic to a real mm-hmm. human being behind this account that it would have been the territory of white women slash women shouldn't be allowed to enjoy things and just like yes. shitting on women enjoying things. Yes. But by putting that in there, I think it completely changed the perspective for me because mm-hmm. what he's really saying is like, yes, it's fun to make fun of people on the internet. Yes, it's fun to make fun of these collapsed, simple identities. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there's a real person there. And yeah. I think that was the part that really saved it for me. And the fa- he's pointing out the fact that the problem is like the social media it's mm-hmm. yeah we exactly. wouldn't we wouldn't see people in these well we still would but it's like it's encouraging us to see people in these like tiny flattened ways mm-hmm. that are much more easy to make fun of because we don't have the empathy of like yeah this is a real person who whose mom died yeah. you know so i agree i thought it was really i didn't think of it as misogynistic although i can understand why someone would be frustrated by the like so women can't enjoy anything feeling yeah. But I agree, like, that the fact that he framed it in that way changes the meaning of it. I would also say that who this is coming from, Bo Burnham has built up enough goodwill that I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I agree. He Mm. wrote and um, created this amazing movie a few years ago called Eighth Grade. And it is one of the most, it stars a woman, a young woman, and it is one of the most empathetic views of a young girl in puberty that I've seen depicted on screen. And I think that knowing that, I I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt for me to perceive him as a very thoughtful person. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that he is being misogynistic. I think there really is something more behind that. I mean, if this was just like any male comedian, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently. But again, I like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm trusting, you know, his work. And I think he he deserves that trust. I also heard commentary that part of, like, in argument against the misogyny point, that he spent so much time on all those shots to, like, make the... Because he's imitating photos throughout the, mm-hmm. the um, sketch. And he took so much time with them and made them really beautiful and pointed out the way women are also taking a lot of time to, like, curate and make their Instagrams beautiful and to take these photos and, like intentional ways yeah and and kind of pointing out the way that um people are so there are so few ways that people besides women are allowed to express femininity Mm, and yeah and like i think there's a lot more to it than just yeah saying that it was misogynistic it's it, it's yeah, an over... you can miss me with that. I'm not on board with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Critique, I but agree. okay, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I also heard that, and I'm uh, I don't Just like I don't agree. It. Yeah. Um, the other song that I really appreciated was "Welcome to the Internet," and I will say that I was so impressed by the different musical stylings of each of the songs. So, Matt, you mentioned your favorite was "Problematic," which is sort of like an 
a 1980s pop ballad. Um, Molly, you mentioned your favorite uh, is more of like a singer-songwriter guitar. It's like acoustic Like a man and his guitar. He, he does yeah. the funniest joke at the beginning, too, where he's like, I can't really sing or play the guitar. Sorry about that. Apologies. <laughs> it's, it's so... Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just cracked me up because it's like, oh, yeah, you who's been producing and writing your own music for 15 years now. Um, and then... This song, Welcome to the Internet, is he's in character of like a demented circus, like uh, carny. Mm -hmm. I don't even know like what you would call it, but it is fabulous. And it's this very, it's a very upbeat song. And he's playing the piano and it gets faster and faster as he goes into the refrain. Mm -hmm. And it was just the perfect illustration to me of how overwhelming all of the stimulus on the internet can be. And some of the lines are like, you know, welcome to the internet. Uh, Take a quiz to find out what kind of Power Ranger you are or build a bomb or, you know, like all of these different things that you can do here. And he's essentially saying it's up to you. Mm -hmm. And I love that song. It's so catchy to me. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Welcome to the internet, come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic, this isn't a test. (laughs) Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome to the internet, what would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy, be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome. the part as it it like kind of dips into like a slower part of the song where he talks about the zoomers and it's mm. there's a line of like we've been waiting for you insatiable yeah. you that mm-hmm. it's so eerie and haunting. so unsettling yeah and it's so sad he like he makes this there's this line about like mommy let you use her ipad you were only two and it did all the things we designed it to do and it's just like mm-hmm. oh my god we're literally destroying ourselves <laughs> like this is heartbreaking the yeah. calls coming from inside it's like- <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. oh it's so good yes. and sad <laughs> yes um i have talked a lot matt please tell us one line or one of the interludes that you really stuck with you because as we mentioned there are a bunch of songs but there are also little moments in between where he yeah has all of these commentary yeah definitely one uh tangential comment i want to make is the amount of aesthetic chaos in the space that he was working mm, was yes. very overwhelming um for me as someone who's like incredibly anal and likes everything to look nice and tidy and you know sorts their books by size um but that um kind of might lead into a point that i touch on shortly but problematic i think just was the one that stuck out recently because i i related to that far more than i did of course the white woman's instagram song as a uh, currently identifying cis male um uh who was raised in a strictly roman catholic suburban household um and was quite problematic for a majority of his life um and (laughs) still is in some instances um so that and a lot and then uh 
the song about um the he did a little piece on uh i think it was like the commenting on the monetization of social media he did a segment where he was playing a ad uh, an advertising strategist who yeah. wanted to talk to the brands oh, about how yeah. they need to be more how they needed to be human <laughs> Will you join Bagel Bites in the fight against Lyme disease? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's oh, that's geez. my line of work. Um, like in our t- big team meeting, like the day after it came out, they called the, out the fact that he called out our entity. Um, so it was very obvious. And so that and the problematic and the portions in between, I was able to relate to a lot of it because I think I've grown up in parallel to him in a lot of ways mm. as white um, and as male and... Um, as very integrated into the internet. And that same age, And so too. my, yeah, everything about it. Um, I'm actually, I think, like, two years younger than him. Just I just feel like we're <laughs> like, all hey, hey, I'm not 30 yet, so everyone Excuse can fuck me, right I'm off. not 30 nope. yet. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, getting comfortable with the idea of turning 30. But um, overall, and I, I don't, I haven't watched it enough to be able to take out specific little parts of it and, and analyze them in a way that I would like to and that I'm sure is fascinating. But as a whole, I... Just watching it was very, like, I felt an inability to be very self-reflective, which was nice. Mm -hmm. And I also have experiences with depression, so seeing him, like, in the throes of that was nice to remind myself of what used to be and how far I've come. And so it's just, I think, for anyone that has grown up in a way that millennial, most millennials have, Mm -hmm. um, it's just like a bit of a kindred spirit sort of thing where you can connect to it and connect to him. And I think that's why we all feel so connected to him because Mm -hmm. he is incredibly vulnerable and Mm -hmm. portrays so many emotions and uh, discusses so many ideas that we all have and share. Um, and so that's, I think why the in-between moments really struck me is because they felt very raw, um, and very, uh, relatable, but a mm-hmm. question I had, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. And I think I know the answer, but I would love to know, um, in his last special make happy, he has a short comment where he says how every single part of the show down to each beat, down to each gesture is choreographed. Mm-hmm. And in consuming other works of his, he is very intentional with everything he does. Um, and so I'm curious how intentional, how choreographed those in-between beats were. Some mm-hmm. of them definitely felt like they were planned in advance. Um, some felt very um, candid. There were moments when he's breaking down on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a feeling that those were candid moments. But part of me likes to think that they weren't, that they were perhaps planned in advance, that they were perhaps choreographed. And I think that doesn't take away any of the authenticity from it. I think it introduces an incredibly... Um, increased level of respect for what he wanted to do um yeah i think i think those had to have been candid moments right they seemed too real to be planned but i mean he's an incredible talent an actor and i'm just curious how i actually assumed they were all planned and that he yeah okay he worked incredibly hard to make them feel as candid as they were or as they felt as the viewer um, just knowing he shared a, quite a bit about his creative process and just knowing the way that he operates and how a lot of other similar creatives operate, uh, it does seem that that those were planned moments, but he did it really cleverly to be able to make it yeah. feel like you were in the room with him as these moments mm-hmm. were happening, you know, there are moments, obviously, as you mentioned, where he, he breaks down in front of the camera and he's crying. Or there's a moment where he's he has the microphone maybe six inches from his face, but he's laying down and you the camera is above mm-hmm. him. And he's just talking like maybe 
It wasn't a great idea to allow everyone who was growing up to be on the internet all of the time. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. those those sorts of things felt very real and very candid, but I, I feel like they were probably scripted. Definitely. But I think it speaks to his talent that you felt yeah. like you were in the room with him while it was happening, right? Yeah, and I think the design of the room, the chaos of the space is all intentional. Um, mm -hmm. Like, he... I think that's why another reason why we all find him so incredible is because he's just so talented. He thinks of everything um, down to, you know, the where the wires are lying on the ground and the kind of feeling of claustrophobia that that creates and that the space that we're all created. But then also the way that he's able to open up the space in an incredibly light, free way. It's just mm -hmm. like I definitely um, pause it many, many times and was just like... God damn! I know. Like you I are know. so talented, you son of a bitch. The way yeah, it's directed it was, for a one-person show is phenomenal. It's insane. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most impressive pieces, like creations I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how I feel, like whether or not some of those moments were more candid and whether they were scripted. But what I do know is that he edited it all together, so he still was in control of it no matter mm -hmm. what so even if like some of those moments where he like kind of broke down crying were genuine and authentic i mean it was all genuine and authentic but yeah whether that was planned or happened spontaneously he still made the choice to cut it together the way he did mm -hmm. so it for me in the end it's like it doesn't actually matter because it was scripted in the end because he yeah. made the mm -hmm. choices to edit True. it in the way he did is made in the editing room. yeah so it's like I I actually was kind of like torn with how I felt about that because no Matt we have to leave it in. <laughs> I I really have a big fucking problem with people who cry on the internet. Like that phenomenon of people filming mm. themselves crying and posting it. I hate it. I don't understand the, <laughs> the need. It bothers me in a primal way. No, but I think that's, I'm sure that he's well aware of that. And yes, that's incredibly but I common think it's it. like, he, it's part of the whole commentary on it. Like, yeah. that's yeah. what he's doing. But it was just like, I was having just a weird experience with it where I was like, I don't like this and yet I like this. And yeah, I, yeah. dude's meta AF. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like for me, it felt very relatable because it it feels like the first piece of media that feels like a true time capsule of the pandemic year for me. Mm. And I think that's because while I, I was definitely not alone, I didn't live alone. It's still, that's kind of what was happening inside my brain the mm -hmm. whole year. Mm -hmm. And so I think that part of it is the relatability of it and why you like it. But then part of it too is I found myself wanting to comfort him throughout, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. of wanting to like reach out and give him a hug or like put my yeah. arm around him or I felt that and make happy too. Yeah. And just, you yeah. know, you, you have this incredible empathy that you just want to help. Right. And that's the part that's tough to sit with because ultimately, you know, that that's not possible. And especially coming off of this year where we couldn't be with our friends and we couldn't give them a hug and we couldn't mm -hmm. cry together. Uh, I think that that was really powerful to me. Yeah. Watching that, like watching someone go through the experience of like isolation and mental illness and the struggle that the 2020 pandemic was, 
I think it's really important and healing and it makes you feel less alone in it. So Mm -hmm. ultimately what he did feels different to me than like the weird Instagram posts of someone sitting in their car crying like that is definitely a different thing. But it like it struck the same nerve throughout my body where I was like, oof, this feels this feels like another weird layer of what the Internet has done to us. Yeah, yeah. And I think a part of that, too, is he has a line um, in the very last song where he says, or oh, no, I think it's in Welcome to the Internet. Where he says, apathy is a tragedy, boredom is a crime. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that is imbued throughout the entire special of him playing with that tension of wanting to connect with you, but still being virtual. And he's pushing this out to millions of people. And ultimately, while it feels like both a personal connection and not... It's exactly mirroring what the internet can be for us, both a personal connection and a parasocial relationship. And so I think that that's really smart. I also really loved the tension between his desire to be involved and do something to change the world and knowing that comedy is like, like, what the fuck does comedy have to do with any of that? Like, (laughs) there's a song comedy where he talks about that. And there's this part where he's like, like white men have had the floor for 400 years so maybe we should sit down and shut up and then he's silent for like nah, 10 seconds and then he goes i don't want to do that <laughs> like, yeah. bored. and then he like keeps going it's just like wow that sounds like molly's brand oh <laughs> gosh like... yeah i really i love that because yeah. there was also a lot of uh props in the background that made that song really funny Mm -hmm. at one point he has a whiteboard and he's written a graph that says impact and there's one bar that's much higher than the other and the one bar that's much higher is labeled comedians and the other one that's lower is labeled teachers (laughs) and isn't there a part with that he's like what if dogs could vape or something yeah (laughs) he's just writing things down and it's like this has nothing to do with anything at all i'm so excited to watch this again and then again and then again Okay, well, I we didn't relate it. this in any way back to How to Do Nothing, but I think everyone will get it. We've done our <laughs> yeah. jobs yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, it's very, all of the themes are the same. It's just a different mm-hmm. way of going about dealing with them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this um, has been. <laughs> all right, Matt, do you want to sign us off? Can yeah, you- I mean, we've digressed quite a bit. So tune in next week for more of Kate and Molly's bullshit. Yay! Bye! Bye!